biggest thing is don't quit. You know, if you're out there, you know, and it's and you're feeling rough and you're having a hard time at that moment, it's just that moment. You know, go through it because eventually you're going to get out that moment. So don't quit. Welcome to the Dark Zone, an adventure racing podcast. This is your host, Brian Gatens. It is now November 2021. A great race season is behind many of us. Welcome back to a post-COVID kinda racing world. Today we are joined by Wheela Nader of Team Onyx. Wheela was a relative newcomer to the sport of adventure racing. His enthusiasm and excitement garnered him the Spirit Award at the recent national championships. A U.S. Army veteran, a lover of all things outdoors, and a thoughtful, considerate guest, Wheela really brought a lot to today's podcast. I encourage you to sit back, relax, and enjoy Wheelo as he tells us all about his adventure racing experience right here on The Dark Zone. So before we, we, we dive into the content of your latest races, tell us a bit about yourself. How did you get into adventure racing? Where did it all start for you? Well, personally, I'm a 53. I'm a father of two, a retired military, a current educator. I do a lot of tutoring, free tutoring for uh, families that can't afford it, you know, COVID brought that out about, you know, homeschooling. A lot of help at home was needed. Um, I'm going to be honest. Before June, I didn't know what adventure racing was <laughs> at all. I really didn't. A friend of mine uh, back in, uh, let me think, it was like May, April timeframe. I'm not sure. Uh, Mikola Kunt, she currently is a part of a Team Onyx as well. She, uh, her friend Suki Gale, who's also part of Team Onyx, they were going to do a... Uh, conquer the mountain and she kept trying to convince me to come do it she's like hey you'll be good for it i'm telling you and i was like no not interested you know leave me alone you know on the way back from conquer the mountain they had to drive through rock hill so we had dinner and they were talking to me about it and they were telling me how they had another kind of road game type of event coming up i still wasn't interested i'm gonna be honest but i was like you know what you know, they would tell me how much trouble they were having navigating. I was like, it's been 10 years since I did any navigation, but I'm probably a little bit more experienced than y'all. So let me go ahead and help y'all out a little bit. So in June, I did the road game event and that's when I got hooked. I was like, I like this. It, 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 it sparked up everything I did in the military. And then the two people who ran the road game, they were they were big in AR and I'm talking to them. And as they explained AR to me, it was it was done there. I was ready. I, I went home. I started looking up anything I could on AR, on, on Facebook, on, on YouTube. I watched Eco Challenge because I had refused to watch Eco Challenge. And after I watched Eco Challenge, I was I was dead into it. I mean, like I joined Facebook, like AR Discussion Group, AR Bazaar. <laughs> I, I joined everything in Facebook and, and do all these discussion groups and groups. That's when I started learning about races. So I started, started signing up for races and uh, my first race would have actually been the bear, but then I got, you know, being part of team Onyx, I was got lucky enough to jump in to nationals with them. So you had, so you raced national several weeks ago in Cable, Wisconsin. Tell us a bit about your team and your race experience. Uh, myself, zero race experience, zero. The The team, I'm part of Team Onyx, they had a team set up. One of the guys got injured. They uh sent in the group, you know, hey, I'm out. We need a replacement. It took me about five minutes. And the only reason I hesitated is because, again, I have zero experience. I never rode on a bike. I never done any type of water activity. You know, I was like, I don't know if I should do it, but I want to do it. 
So I wrote Mr. Clifton, you know, he's he's the captain of the team. I wrote down, hey, I want to do this. He told me to reach out to Johnny because Johnny was actually, Johnny and Lizelle, two members of Onyx were actually part of the team, told me to reach out to him. And Johnny said, come on, man, we want you. We need you. Come on. I told him I've never mountain bike. I've, you know, I just bought a bike. I've only ridden on the road, gravel and dirt trails. I've never been on a canoe except one time at that point because myself, you know, training up for the bear, my other partner, Mika, we, we did one canoe class. We're going to do a couple of more before the bear, understanding that was one of the disciplines. But he's like, no, nah, come on, we got you. You know, so we go out there and and they they took me under their wing. I pretty much follow along. They tried hard to they took me out. We drove out a couple of miles because, you know, certain areas were cornered off. We couldn't do. They put me on my bike. We did a couple of single <laughs> single track. I fell a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell everybody jokingly, but I'm not kidding. I hit every tree and every rock out there, you know, training up for it. And and it showed, you know, and we went out there and did it. I gave it a I gave it the best I could, you know. Single track was no joke. That was the biggest, the biggest, biggest thing I had to go through. So so you know? so we will I'll, I'll tell you that your your origin story, you're like getting into adventure racing, is not uncommon to hear. You know, we, we talk to a lot of people in the dark zone and they talk very often about how the adventure racing is one of the harder sports to describe to somebody else. Right. We've we've talked about that previously. And yet we have this class of people of which you're clearly included, knowing barely anything about the sport, but decided to give it a shot anyway. What is it about your personality in the sport that you're willing to take such a leap into such an intense activity and to do so with joy, because clearly you had a great time. It's very obvious, right? That's, I mean, the way you talk about it. So what do you think it is about yourself and about us as a, as a community that people will dive into something so challenging without even really thinking a whole lot about it? It's that word you said, the community, teamwork. You know, I, I grew up playing team sports as a child in the military. Everything is a team. I'm an infantryman. You know, we work as a team. And the one thing I, I loved about this, especially when I went there to nationals, is that, you know, even though you're competing against other people, everybody's one community. Everybody's a team. Everybody was happy to see people. Everybody was talking to people. Everybody's giving each other advice. You know, everybody's doing something to make somebody better, you know, and, and, and all of that in competition. And, I, and me and another thing is I love challenges. And this, me not knowing much of it, but being intrigued by the sport and its difficulties, it just wanted me to go into it harder and want to learn more about it. And then I'm like, I'm 53, so I know my time is limited. So I'm willing to jump into anything and everything to try to get as most as I can. And yeah, I understand eventually I have to stop racing, but I'm hoping the experiences that I have, I can help other people coming up behind me, you know, use that experience to help them as they move forward just like everybody's been doing for me since I've started a couple of months ago. So if you dove into adventure racing back in June, did adventure racing replace another activity you were doing or did you feel kind of you a bit adrift? Well, I was doing OCRs, a lot of, you know, Spartan races, but I'm going to be honest, I enjoyed it because it was something physical to do. I got into it because when I retired from the military, I was doing nothing. So I needed something physical and I got into it. But what I didn't like was, what did what I disliked about OCRs was I, I wanted to compete in the competitive area. So, you know, they have the competitive areas and they have the open class areas. But in competitive, 
You can't tell somebody, come on, guy, you got this. Keep going. They look at you like, what are you talking about, guy? We're in a race, you know, and I can't help other people. So I, I got stuck in the open class, which I still had fun doing it, but I was still missing something. And I never realized what it was until I started AR. And what was that? What were you missing? The competition, the competition that and also the teamwork. I was out there by myself. And yes, I'll help other people up the wall or get through an obstacle. I still didn't have anybody else there with me. Most of the time I was doing it on my own, you know, and that teamwork and that competition. Yeah, the idea that in venture race, we talk a lot about the, the, the shared suffering and the shared challenge. And then by working together through these problems, by figuring things out together, it touches a part of us that other parts of our life really don't do for us. You mentioned you enjoyed challenge. Not everything was a challenge, though. What parts of adventure racing do you find that you're well suited to? What is not that hard for you? Um, trekking. <laughs> Walking, right? Down the same way. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did it in the military for years. You know, I, I learned how to walk long distances in a fast pace. Um, overcoming certain adversities. You know, I got hurt on the race. And... Um, and my team had to sit back and allow me to assess myself to finally sit there and say, hey, you know, yeah, you get, you know, you got it. They knew I was hard headed and, and they knew eventually I would get it. So, you know, that, you know, diversity. And again, that teamwork, I, I can't go back to it. You know, I love the teamwork. I love working with others. I love the idea of, of, of how my team, again, you know, they picked me up. They knew my shortcomings. They picked me up. They were willing to teach me there on the floor, on the ground. You know, I was willing to absorb that. During the post-Nationals Glow, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and the team from Burf Barf, they, uh, yes. they, they spoke about <laughs> their experience and they, they, they raced with Team Onyx. How did that go for you? That went great. They we jumped back and forth a lot because again I kept falling. <laughs> Every time I fell, they would pass, you know, and they will get up and they'll let me go ahead and then I'll fall again and they pass. They would. You know, I loved it because because every time I see him, I say, you got this, ladies, keep moving. And eventually they kept telling me that you got this, Wheelo, you got this, keep moving. So, yeah, I remember them quite. Yeah, I do. And so so and so you talked before about the idea of it, it being a challenge, but then the idea that you get to work with and, and root for other teams. Um, do you think it's hard for people who don't adventure race to get to understand that concept that we we cheer each other on, but we race alongside each other at the same time? Because when I grew up playing sports, we cheered for everybody. You know, I know as I grew older, especially when the military I was playing sports and somebody would dunk on me and I would be like, man, that was a good dunk. People were like, stop saying that. But that's the way I grew up. You know, you respect the other person's ability doesn't take away from my ability. So I, I would say yes. I, I would say yes. But it comes down to a person's mentality, you know, what they're willing to take from it. You know, it's, it's not, I don't feel there's anything wrong with being humble and giving somebody gratitude for what they could do. doesn't mean I'm weaker. You know, yeah, and that's and that's an interesting point you bring up, because we hear that very often when people when people migrate into adventure racing from another sport, um, very often your success is only in relation to your the speed of your opponent. And so mm -hmm. when you're running a marathon or you're in a race of some sort, if your opponent is in front of you, you're behind. And if they're behind you, you're ahead. Where in adventure racing, because we move in such interesting distances in so many ways, that very often flip-flops back and forth, right? You're ahead, you're behind, you're ahead, you're behind. And because the challenge is so high, you have to work together to get to the next part of the race. And, and the, the working together is really the joy in, in the adventure racing. And the fact that we, 
we, we cheer people along and we also race against them simultaneously, which is a very weird thing for non-adventure racers to understand. But to your point, it clearly touched a piece of you that was kind of dormant and kind of like you were really looking for something to grab onto to enjoy the experience. So, right. so you know, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I was just saying that also a good thing about adventure racing is you really don't know where you are till you end the race. So while you're out there racing with everybody, you don't know who's first or who's second. You can believe just because of how strong a team is, but you really won't know till you get across that finish line where you place that and where those other teams are. I think that also adds to that, you know, that camaraderie out there wanting to help each other and push each other along. So what do you think? So you said you're good at the trekking, right? And, and you and I kind of share that, right? I'm really good at walking in one long direction. How do you do with navigation? How do you do with that? Well, last weekend with the bear was my first time leading it. I think we, we had a, myself and Mika, the count, we went out there. We had a great plan. We did well. We did well. It showed my shortcomings because it's been years. We're talking about over a decade since I had a map and a compass in my hand. During the nationals, I sat back and watched because, you know, I didn't want to, one, because of my, my lack of experience to what I was doing. It was best for me to sit back and watch and absorb. So I was pretty much filling the water, et cetera, et cetera, doing that stuff. But um, I, I think I fairly did well. Always room for improvement. I mean, immediately after the race, within an hour, I was messaging a lot of people from the team because I wanted immediate feedback. I wanted to give them all the information I had possible. Myself and Mika, we took notes. I wrote it down. And um, I think a lot of room for improvement, but I really feel that's, that's going to be something that I'll be able to, to give to the team. And that's an important thing. That would be bring my up. contribution. And you're, you're spot on there. So we talk a lot about the new eraser on the dark zone and the idea of there being room for improvement. And one thing we talk about repeatedly here is that the newer racer should never take what they perceive to be a lack of performance too hard. Because everybody I've spoken with, whether it be somebody who started racing back in June or started racing 25 years ago, repeatedly they talk about how when you're in the beginning, there's so many areas of improvement that you need to do. And the trick is to stick with it over time, that you can't use your early races as a, as a barometer of how good a race you could be. But over time, you get better and better and better. And by you sharing how soon after the race, you were messaging with your teammates and getting feedback on your performance, that's a very common trait that we find among successful adventure racers is that they're humble enough to reach out to other people and say, what could I do better? What could I work on? How could I improve? You said something interesting when you talked about racing nationals, because that was so new to you and new to the canoe and new to the bike. You said you wanted to sit back and you wanted to absorb the race. You wanted to be part of the team and to pay attention. What, what was your, like your crash course in adventure racing, literal crash course, by the way, because you hit every tree out there. Um, but your, what was your, in your crash course during nationals, what did you, what did you absorb the most? What did you take away the most from that experience watching your team and watching other teams? What new things did you learn? Oof. What new things did I learn? Um, strategy was one. How to, you know, I guess, I guess, um, I don't know if it's new because a lot of things that I learned out there were a lot of things I've learned in the military, mm -hmm. you know, but again, building a strategy, um, being able to, to change it on a, on a whim because you don't know what's going to happen out there. Anything could change. And, and, you know, so you might have to change your strategy when necessary. Um, packing, 
<laughs> Gosh, packing, packing, packing. I overpacked and overpacked and overpacked. Lucky enough, you know, I, I think my my strength and endurance helped me out there with that that heavy pack. But watching other teams, watching my team members, I, I kind of learned a little bit. But if you ask Mika last weekend, I didn't because I still went out with a big pack. Mm-hmm. So I'm still learning. Um, well, you know, a very common expression is you pack your fears. And so it, yeah. it's not uncommon for people who are newer to the sport that when they're getting their gear ready, they bring too much food, right? Because they're scared they're going to go hungry. They bring too many clothes. They're scared they're going to be cold. You know, they bring too many of an item because they're looking to prevent something else. And so your 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 um, your growth in how to pack and how not to overpack is a very common thing that we see. And mm-hmm. what's amazing is you'll go to these bigger races. It could be a multi-day race. It could be 24, 36 hours. The lack of gear that the that the the top teams carry is amazing. Amazing. Like they will head off into the woods with with almost like a, a day hiker's backpack on. Like they really cut a very, very thin edge on what they do and don't carry. Um, with the the idea being that you're you're trading off, you know, you're getting something back, right? So if you want to move mm-hmm. quickly you have to carry less items. Well, if you carry less items, you carry fewer items. You you then realize that if something goes bad out there, you might be a lot colder than usual. You might be in wet clothes for a long time. Whereas if you if you want to not be wet and not be cold, you carry extra clothes. But what do you give back? You give back weight. So that's the most uncommon thing. What did you overpack? What was the thing you carried the most? Was it clothing or food or something else? To be honest, I'm plant-based, so I have to have a lot of food. I eat a lot. I'm constantly eating, so I don't feel like overpacked on food. Uh, definitely clothes. Definitely clothes. I mean, I knew we were going to the water, so I bought a change of clothes for that. I knew the temperature drop was supposed to be roughly 30 degrees, so I brought something to be cold. You know, So my pack was just full of all this gear. And, and I remember Johnny, he was my team, the captain of our team out there. He's like, you don't need this. You don't need this. And I'm just looking like, what? what? <laughs> I, too, have been the, uh, the recipient of the parking lot pre-race unpacking thing. That, that's happened to me also. So you're in the right spot. Uh, yeah, it was clothing. It was clothing. Definitely clothing. Yeah, the um, when I when I spoke with Tim, um, Tim B of, of, of Rib Mountain Racing, who came in third, he was telling us uh, in the podcast that he he wore one set of shoes the entire time, mm-hmm. one set of shoes, and that they over thirty hours they I don't think they changed their clothes. They would they would put clothes on to get warm. And they would take clothes <laughs> off when they when they when they when they got too warm, but for the most part, they raced in the clothes that they wore the entire time. They carried all the mandatory gear but they had no change of clothes built into there. If necessary, that did not exist for them. That was pretty much the same for us. We may have changed socks because we took a little bit longer transition area than most teams. Well, the bigger teams did, but I think the most we changed was socks. If that. How did you do during the overnight racing, racing in the dark? Were you on foot on bike or on the paddle? On bike. That's when that's what took me out was that single track on bike. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if I understand correctly, there was a section of the course that was very technical single track. And I think that your team hit that. That was a section you guys hit at night. I'm not sure to be exact. I'm going to be honest. Anything I could have done would have been technical, right. <laughs> you know, extremely technical. But um, I, I want to say during the day we did the most extreme because I remember riding at night telling Johnny and Lizelle, that if we would have did this in a day, I would have been a lot more smooth. You know, I felt a lot more comfortable about it. I did this one more in the day than the other one. So I'm pretty sure it wasn't 
the harder one, but it was still pretty, pretty tough. Yeah. Plus the overnight hours, it gets cold. You get tired. The race started, I believe, at 9 a.m., if I'm correct. A little bit after 8 a.m. And so by the time you get to the night section, you're you're deep into the race, right? You're at least 16, 17 hours into you're well over halfway through the race. And so you have fatigue. You're hungry. It's you're on a mountain bike, lights and night. It's it's a it's a hard challenge. Um, I wonder if do you think your race would have gone differently if you had hit that if you were on your your feet at night? Do you think it would have, you would have had a better performance or was it just just the time just caught up to you? No, I, I think yeah. If we were on our feet, we, it would have been totally different. Effect. But the way the race was was set up, we were going to end up on on bike somehow or another, somewhere or another. We're going to end up on that on that track. And and to be honest, taking away anything you said about being fatigued or cold, what took me out was just the fact that I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I didn't know how to handle certain turns. I didn't know how to react to certain you know certain jumps. And it, it just got it just. It just, just to be honest, it's just too much for me at that moment. Gotcha. And and I'm assuming if, if you're like typical adventure racers, first challenging as that was, you can't wait to go do it again. Oh, no, I'm ready for it. <laughs> I'm ready. I, you know, soon afterwards, I, I had to lay off the bike because of my injury. You know, luckily this past weekend it was basically road and, and gravel road and, and fire trails. But, you know, again, today was right back out there. You know, I got told about certain apps. I found a single track, so I was out there riding today, working out today. So yeah, I'm, yeah, it's it's get out there and get it done. There's only one way to do it. It's you know, learn is to do it, right? Very very common trait among successful adventure racers. You're bringing alive here, and Stephanie Ross, who was involved with the, of that course creation, is a very successful race director. She <laughs> talked about how when she did her first adventure race. She was utterly demoralized. That was the phrase she used to describe the experience. And on the way home from that race, she was looking for her next race. Like the, the, the lack of success doesn't translate to a lack of desire. That even though it's challenging and it's hard, we still return right back to it. And to your credit, your, your post-injury, and I hope your injuries weren't that severe, and it's good that you're okay and you're riding today, you're back on the bike looking to improve that part of your performance. So therefore, when you go back out to race again, you're even better at it the next time. That's the goal, correct, correct. So you mentioned you're plant-based because it's hard to race that long and that hard and be plant-based because people who are plant-based, if I understand correctly, tend to take in a lot of food over time. So how'd that go? How'd that work out for you? It actually worked out good. It really did. Um, the Zell helped me out a lot because uh, she was she was also on our team. You know, she saw how I, how much I was eating, how much I kept saying I was hungry. Um, so we she looked at things I ate. She was able to make, you know, she make sandwiches, pick the right things to take out there. Cause I, I love eating fruit and vegetables. I'm whole food. So it was kind of difficult because I'm not going to take pears and apples and grapes out there. Things are going to crush. But um so so you know instead of making peanut butter and jelly, we made quinoa grass with lentil in it and stuff, you know, simple things like that. You know, um we found, you know, I, I stay away from the chemical type vegan products. So instead of take, you know, doing the, uh, the little, you know, the shots we take for energy, we found a little honey packs that were helpful for me, you know, cause I, maybe me transitioning to plant-based was due to health reasons. So I try to stay as whole food as possible. So, so I, so they were very strict to making sure that I stayed within my diet 
And that was another reason why taking out so much food. Did I eat all the food? No, but I needed it there because I knew I was constantly, and I mean, constantly eating, constantly eating and constantly drinking. Do you find that the, the, the plant-based diet, um, very often people, when they, when they don't go plant-based diet, they talk about the fact that there's a lack of energy that, those foods don't give them the carbohydrates, the sugar that they need over time. Have you found that your performance has struggled with plant-based or are you just able to just keep doing what you always want to do and your speed didn't go down, your endurance didn't go down? I'm, I'm hyper, always hyper. My energy level is always up to here. I've never had an issue with lack of energy. Even during the race, I didn't have an issue with lack of energy or endurance. I would say it, it helped me better helped me improve myself a lot more. I didn't realize it at first because I wasn't physically then, but when I started getting back into sports, yes, I, I saw the big difference. You know, I can honestly say, and this is, I know it's cliche, but I honestly feel better now than I did in my twenties and thirties. And I was active in my twenties and thirties, but it's true though. It's honestly true. Yeah. Very common. And we hear that time and time again, when we talk to, to racers um, <laughs> that very often, because they didn't race in their twenties and their thirties, that when they come into the sport in their forties and their fifties, they find that there's a, they're amazingly um, awake to the sport because they've gone through other things. Like you said, you played other team sports and you've been involved in the military and you did all of that coming to adventure racing in your, in your early fifties, you have a brand new appreciation for it. And also too, is while, while in the fifties and I'm, and I'm 50 myself, while your body's a little bit beat up going into it, what you, what you get back is you get back experience. I was Never the team captain. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so I was always, and I think it's also because of my, my father and my grandfather, you know, they, they raised me to listen, to pay attention, especially to coaches, you know, that, that helped me throughout my life. You know, mentorship is important. So I don't know if I really had that problem, you know, per se, I know my first four hundred years in the military, I did, but you couldn't tell a hard headed kid from New York, anything, you know, but, um, I got straightened out quick, especially on the phone with my father and my grandfather telling me, listen, you know, you got to equating my time in sports with the military, understanding the different roles, but how they were the same, you know, that helped me realize what I needed to do then to fix myself as well. You know, once I, I put those connections with a coach and a, a squad leader, a team leader, a platoon leader, it was easier for me to go ahead and uh, take information from them, take that advice from them, because I saw them in a different role other than somebody who's just telling me what to do. So it sounds like the there's a natural transference between your military experience, your life experience, to your adventure racing career. This must feel like a supernatural fit for you. Like you've just, it's like a, it's like putting on a glove. I, I honestly do, but it's like a glove, but you know how sometimes you put it on the wrong hand, <laughs> you know, you got the thumb and the pinky because I'm still learning a lot, you know, I'm still learning a lot. So I'm not, I don't want, you know, I, I understand where I am in this, in this, this vast world of adventure. I know I got so much more to learn. So you're basically like, me, like put on <laughs> you're basically like a super strong, super excited kindergartner. You just can't put the gloves on. Yeah, right? but you, want to, you want to go. You want to go outside and play, but you can't put the gloves on properly. Recognizing that you're that you're new to adventure racing, and a, a common question we always ask in the dark zone is, what advice would you give to a new racer? I would tell them one: it's fun. It sounds crazy because you're doing all these crazy things, but one: don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the unknown because there's a lot of unknowns at adventure racing. Because what I love about adventure racing, every race could be different. You know, you do a race this week, go to race next week, could be different. Um, be open to new things because of that, because of that variety, be open to new things. Um, 
if you come in, get out of your comfort zone because you're going to get pushed. You know, you're going to get pushed to different levels, different things, mentally, spiritually, definitely spiritually, you know, emotionally, socially. Biggest thing is don't quit. You know, if you're out there, you know, and it's and you're feeling rough and you're having a hard time at that moment, it's just that moment. You know, go through it because eventually you're going to get out that moment. So don't quit. And then after the race, then assess yourself. If you don't think it's for you, okay, it's not for you. Ran into that a couple of times for a couple of people last weekend with the bear. They got done. They were like, but I'm, I'm finished with this, even talking with them. And I, and I can understand their point of view when they said they were done. You know, they, they just said it wasn't for them, you know. And it, while they're in it, and Johnny was good for this, you know, Johnny and Lizelle was good for this one back in Nationals. And honestly, a lot of people who I met out there, you know, have fun during it. Don't forget to have fun. Because at one point during Nationals, I was getting so frustrated on that bike, I forgot to have fun. I lost my focus. But then I'm hearing Johnny Lizelle back there hitting the curves, yelling and screaming, hooting and hollering, having fun. And I was like, gosh, you know, it, it woke me up to that. And it put me back into my, put me back into the space I needed to be. Uh, a really good piece of adventure racing advice. I was given one time by a, a very, very strong racer. She told me, however you're feeling right now, it's going to pass. Yeah. And that applies to when things are low and when things are high, right? So when you feel great and you feel like a million bucks, say to yourself, well, this is going to go away eventually. That's okay though. And then when you, when you're low, you say to yourself, this is going to go away. And a little bit of food, a little bit of drink, maybe a little bit of rest. It goes a long way to, to get you mm -hmm. moving forward. Talk about the, the social aspect of the racing. Well, socially, because how everybody, you know, the social climate we have now, you know, the, the tension between races, you know, Onyx is me being part of Team Onyx. We're known for being, you know, the first all black adventure racing team. And to be honest, anywhere we go, we're usually the only ones there. And what I mean by socially is not only that, you know, but I mean, like, again, like I said earlier, everybody's friendly to each other. It doesn't matter where you are. You could be the top team and you could be, you know, you could be brand new to the team, to the, to the sport like myself. You know, everybody took me in. I remember when I met Ben Racing and Rootstock Racing. You know, I fanned out. I was, you know, I, I did. I fanned out. I was like, oh, my God, this and this and this. But those guys, you know, they they spoke to me just like anybody else, you know, willing to give me advice, you know, wish me luck. And even out, you know, even though I didn't see him on the course, but after the race, you know, when they heard about me, they found me, they, they, you know, they made sure I was okay. You know, they they asked me, you know, how I was mentally, you know, what am I gonna do? And you know, when I told them I was still in good spirits that I'll be back out there, they were happy about it and they wished me luck and they, you know, they told me they couldn't wait to see me back out on the course. Those aspects of social, you know, that is where I'm coming from. Because at no point when you're out there, at no point I was talking to people and people were talking to me. And that kept me going a lot. Yeah, I think you're I think you're spot on. I think what we do in adventure racing, and this has come up previously. So adventure races are interesting because because we're cut off from larger society, and because it's us and it's our two teammates, our three teammates, our cell phones are turned off, it's the maps. It's the course, it's the equipment, it's the teammates, and it's the challenge. It's an incredibly refreshing place to be because nothing else matters for that period of time. Absolutely right. And absolutely I, right. you know, you mentioned social tensions and you mentioned the way that we the way that we're speaking to each other today, and the fact that we we create 
we create an artificial environment where none of those things matter except for taking care of our teammates and taking care of other teams. In, in many other race or sport activities where you just go buy them, adventure racing, you stop to check on that person, right. make sure they're right. Do you need help? Do you need food? Do you need a part for your bike? Do you need a bike? Right. You know, so yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Yep. You're absolutely right. Because like you said alone, we're out there by ourselves. There's nobody else out there to help us but ourselves. And, and based on the idea of taking care of each other and the fact that we're mutually interdependent upon each other, I realize that regardless of what what traits I have personally, my my success, my peace of mind, the, who I am as a person is also embedded in your success and your peace of mind and who you are as a person. And exactly. so, so many of those challenges fall away. I, I think it's I think it's a very poignant thing that you bring up when you talk about team onics uh, being one of the one of the the only black teams at many races, and the fact that you're able to come to a community where the the top notch teams like the Ben Racings and the Rootstock Racing. Are, are invested in your success. And I, I yeah, I'm hoping that eventually when we talk about Team Onyx, we talk about them in the same breath of teams like with Dolly and Quest and Ben Racing, you know, in in time we will, in time we will, it'll, it'll get there. It'll definitely get there. Anybody who's on a successful team and who's doing really, really well can very easily speak about when they were not successful and they didn't do really, really well. And what separated them from the team's that that aren't aren't as strong is that they never walked away from the sport that they stuck with it and to your point like you struggled with the mountain biking and now all of a sudden you're working on that so your mountain biking gets better next time your your packing will get better next time your your navigation is better the next time and all those things grow over time and the trick is to stick with the sport and to keep getting out there and keep racing again and again and we've we've seen it multiple times which is refreshing because your experience is like everybody else's experience it's a matter of sticking with it Correct. And, and I think sometimes we, we overlook that. We overlook that uh, everybody else, you know, went through what we went through. Mm-hmm. But, you don't, know? but don't you and see that? Though? But it's not a problem in society. Like, we're so concerned with how you perceive me that I'm not willing to admit a vulnerability to get better at something. So therefore, I never get better. But that's what I love about this, because we're willing to ask for help. We're willing to be vulnerable and get help. Because again, you know, when when I spoke that I'm new to this and and I told them I want to talk to them because I like I had questions like, why are your packs so much smaller than ours? You know, how do you read a map? What do you do when you do it? They, they had no problem communicating those things. You know, giving me ideas of how to do. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not going to lie. It was just bouncing off my head because, again, I was fanning out. But the fact they were just willing to sit there and share this information says a lot about just about the AR community itself. From your perspective as somebody who, who races for Team Onyx, what can adventure racing do better to be more inclusive? What do you think we have to learn? I could tell you, I would never thought of black people out there doing such a sport, you know, but at the same time, we do these, we do these sports. We do it. We just don't see ourselves in it for some reason. And I don't know if that's just the way it is social, you know, come through socially. But um I like the fact that Team Onyx is out there doing it. I like I, I love the fact that I'm part of that that journey with Team Onyx. And I know for a fact, and I, I don't want to speak for anybody on the team or even even our, our captain Clifton Lyles, but I, I guarantee that he would be more than happy to to do anything he can with the association to to try to spread 
this out to to all avenues in the world, especially to other black people and other black communities to get, you know, to get us out there doing it. Because he's already established his teams. We have people all over the world. You know, it's a small team, roughly, I think, 13 to 15 people, about three or four of them overseas. But, you know, he's still building. He's working hard to get it out there. And to your point, like you made your friends were involved in adventure racing. And so you got involved and Clifton is building a network of friend racers around the world to get involved representing Team Onyx. So I think you're right. I think it's the in order for the sport to grow and to be more inclusive, the sport needs to open up pathways for friends and other people to get involved in the sport and have the bar to be relatively low to jump over in terms of, right. you know, this being open and being inviting. And and, I, and you've talked a lot about that today, that when you went to the national championship, like you went to the national, the big race, that when you came across teams that very easily could not have said a word to you, they could not have done enough for you. And they were excited to talk to you and they were excited to help you out. And I think that speaks to the kind of sport that we have here. No, absolutely. And, and to be honest, that bar you're talking about, I, it's already set. You know, we do have races that are, are designed for people like me. You know, we just have to go out there. And there's plenty of them. There's plenty of them. You know, they, they're smaller races, the four, you know, six, eight hour races, 12 hour races, like I did last weekend, you know, that's, that's still going to challenge you, but, but still easy enough to keep you intrigued, keep, you know, keep you going. And I, but it's just getting the word out there, getting people to, to identify and, and identify this sport and, and get them intrigued enough to get into it. So what's your next race? Oh, we got the cauldron on the 30th. Then I have, I have a race every month. Oh, keep going. Tell us about that. This is an adventure racing okay. podcast. So keep going. No, I got the cauldron, uh, October 30th, uh, November 12th, right here in Charlotte. I got long Creek adventure race out of the whitewater center. I have, uh, the crooked compass in December. Um, January, the race out of Florida. I forget what it's called. That's you to say. No, no, that's February. Okay. CDC as well. That's on my list. That's 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 like the race I'm looking forward to. Um, CDC in February. There's a race in Florida. I forgot the name of it in uh, January. Was I correct that you received a Spirit Award at the end of the race? Yeah, yeah, they gave me the Spirit Award. I, I felt kind of, yeah, <laughs> I felt kind of bad getting that award because you know they said because you know my you know even through injury I I was like. You know, I was still like, huh, 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 huh. but I was like, at first I was like, gosh, you know, I got a war for getting hurt. You know how, you know what? But then <laughs> Clifton, Mr. Lyles, you know, he called me, he talked to me. And, um, and, and again, he humbled me. He humbled the heck out of me. Cause you know, he, he's like, you know, he's been racing for 15, 20 mm-hmm. years, working to get to an eco challenge and he got hurt in the eco challenge. Mm-hmm. And then that made me feel like, like, what, are, what am I complaining about? <laughs> you know, he's working his whole life to get to this event. He got hurt and it took him out. And I'm like, my first race, I get hurt. And I'm sitting over here with my, you know, my head down. Like, no, no, get up, keep pushing, you know? So, yeah, I was, you know, I was happy I got the award. You know, I, I, I thank my teammates because honestly, you know, they, they were the ones who fueled me to keep me going because if I didn't have them, I would have, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard for me to sit there and say if I would have stopped, but I know the main reason I didn't want to stop was because I didn't want to let them down. You know, I didn't want to let down Team Onyx down. And then as other people kept going by, I didn't want to let them down. You know, it, you know, so, so yeah, yeah. 
I so, gave it to my son. He's proud of it. He hung it up on his bed, on his uh, bedroom wall. Before we wrap up today, anything else you want to share with the listeners to the Dark Zone? I would. Just, I, I'm. I'm just thankful for being here. I'm thankful for the opportunity. You know, I thank Team Onyx for the opportunity. I, I thank the AR community for the opportunity. You know, and and uh, and I'm just looking forward to doing bigger, better things out there. You know, I'm hoping. To, I'm hoping to leave a legacy behind, especially with Team Onyx and AR community. Mm-hmm.